And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic Hello all and welcome to the 67th edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. I'm Michael Bailey and I hope this finds you safe and well. On the way, ankling for a move, PA cruising for a bruising, and international break, international broken, more like. Uh, we'll work through all this and more with our guests this evening. They are former Norwich City publications and program editor, also head of content at some point, Dan Brigham. Hello, Michael. Oh, and, I do always say that with such a grin on your face. I, I do. Well, you're the only one who's revealed that now, but yes, I do. I love it. And um, a special guest this evening, which I'm very excited about, sensible soccer creator and, of course, huge Norwich City fan, John Hare. Good evening, John. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Um, Daniel Brigham, how are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you, Michael Bailey. It's nice to be uh, someone to use the full name. Yes, uh, as I insisted beforehand. <laughs> obviously, um, uh, no, I'm very good, thank you. Looking forward to actually, no, I'm I'm not looking forward to having no Norwich City over the next two weeks. It's oh. it's been such like for many people, it's been such a balm during uh, lockdowns and during the pandemic to have a Norwich City game to look forward to. So um, we'll just have to put up with England instead. Think about the next the next hopefully free weekend without Norwich playing after this one. Um, they'll be you know we'll almost be close to slightly more like pre normal life maybe possibly oh god i'm talking it all up i'm gonna stop right now and by the way if you can hear a whirring in the background um it's my uh youngest boy's um birthday he's um he's little he's still a very little man um so i've got an incubator with some duck eggs um that are going to hatch for him wow oh, wow happy birthday yep to both the ducks and to my little boy so that's exciting but that does explain if you can all hear a does this mean we might have live birth on the podcast i have to go and wake him up if that happens <laughs> um but let's hope not um apparently not so fingers crossed um john welcome to on the ball this is very exciting to have you on how are you i'm very good thanks uh, just getting into my monday I've, i'm trying to train myself like to have weekends actually off or oh. trying to do something in the garden because I've, I've worked for myself my whole life and I normally work all the time. Well, no, that's an exaggeration, but in lockdown, it's been really hard if you work for yourself, for yourself at home to, you know, to have days off. But yeah. I actually had a weekend this weekend, which was good. That sounds so, lovely. That really well, nice. well, that, who yeah. knew you could take weekends off? I didn't know that was I never thing. knew. No one told me. It's like bank holidays. They, they've just never existed for me ever, you know. Keep putting football matches on back holiday, which doesn't help. Well, look, um, John, it's a delight to have you on. Uh, we'll talk about um, sensible soccer and, and sociable soccer in a little bit. But first of all, I reckon we should get into the Norwich City chat. Um, and just before we crack onto that, I do need to flag up the fact that right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of £3.99 per month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around 
as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash Norwich pod to take advantage of this special 40% discount. That is theathletic.com forward slash Norwich pod. Let's crack on with this week's headline act. So, you know, as much as there was football and, and action and results and goals, um, I kind of walked away from the 1-1 draw with Blackburn, sort of ignoring the fact it was the first two points Norwich had dropped in 10 games. Remarkable run, almost historic. Um, and obviously, the, the key line coming out of it was Ben Gibson's ankle injury. It's been a while since we've had any injuries to really concern us, probably since Tim Krul earlier in the season, and it's kind of only really been a couple this year, all told, even though there's been a lot of maybe the same time which has probably been more of an issue um as things stand as we know he's had his first scan which it was still a very swollen joint so it's kind of not clear how how big the damage is but it does sound like he will miss the rest of the season which in fairness is only seven weeks um a similar sort of injury you're looking at three months out which would take him to the middle of june so still well before the start of pre-season but that would probably also mean surgery it's a it's a com- complicated joint the ankle and that means that a lot go can go wrong and the, uh, with it and when you injure it and there's you know i tried to look into what it could mean basically for the piece i wrote at the athletic which you can which you can read and i gave up because a i would have just been speculating and b it's very complicated <laughs> so i can't just like you know what i'm calling it uh, you'll have to deal with what you got so um but ultimately dan such such shame for Ben Gibson that he'll miss the rest of the season because I think we've all seen just how how good he's been, how much of a positive impact he's had all around the place. Yeah, he's not only helped to transform our back four or back five, but he's also helped transform our midfield as well. I mean, everyone rightly raves about uh, the job Ollie Skip's done in there and Kenny McLean, but that's uh, that's been allowed by the excellence of uh, Gibson as well and the way he comes out of defence and takes a slight pressure off on off Skip and McLean in midfield as well. But I think I'd probably be worried if we went a million miles ahead of everyone else in the in the division at the moment. I'd probably be worried. The impact of uh, Gibson missing will have, because not only is he an excellent defender, but he obviously is pretty critical to the way we carry the ball out of defence as well. I mean, I think you've done a piece on him previously where we're sort of highlighting his stats which are insane compared to other centre-backs in terms of carrying the ball out of defence and not only that it's the knock-on effect of Grant Hanley having to play on his less favoured position at centre-back and um, the the old chestnut of our strength in depth in at centre-back position probably not being what most people would like it to be. I did I must admit John I've come out of this thinking they're gonna need another centre-back this summer. Um, I think we knew that before I think what we've seen with, with, with Ben Gibson coming in is that Grant Hanley is improved next to him. And, uh, and, and we've also found that with, with McLean next to Skip. Like these guys have come in, have not only been good, they've improved the guys close to them. And I think with Tim Krull behind those four, we've got for the first time almost in memory for at least 20 years, got a solid centre in the team. It's been a long, long time since we had a centre this solid, really a long time. And then I think that um, in a way... If it had to come at any point in the season, Gibson getting injured now is like a great time because if you look at the, the table where I did a calculation near the start of the season, 87 points almost guarantees you get up and we're four points away from that. So we should stumble, even if we stumble badly, we should stumble into 87, 90, <laughs> 93 points, right? We should, we know we should. So in a way it's a good time for getting Zimmerman in to see if, 
how he can perform. We've not really seen since he was injured. He's not had a, a long run enough for us to know. Is he is he is he up to it? We need to know. Um, the young lad who's also very good with a very complex name, which Michael, you can remind me how you. That would be um, Andrew Omabamadeli. I think uh, Daniel Farker's still learning that surname as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the one. So again, he's apparently doing really well for the under twenty threes at the moment. So maybe it's a good time to like give him a, a little run out and see how he does occasionally. But we definitely need at least, I think, one decent centre back. And I would look at if you look at the teams that are going to come down, probably Sheffield United, West Brom. Like one of the one of the Sheffield United centre backs would be really nice for us right now, and I think that's how we should be thinking. Who who do we go for? We've got to go for the the people that we can grab that are within our range, and that are the quality and experience we need. And that's what I'd be looking at right now. I mean, in this international break, I'd be talking to Sheffield United about their centre backs because they're it's, coming. It's down. all unraveling there anyway. So it's like, who would you ring? That's half the problem. Yeah. You, can't, you can't ring Chris Rado. He's gone and Alan Neal's <laughs> off. So there we go. Um, uh, he, uh, Jacob Sorensen is probably the other one to mention because um, or the, he can play a centre-back. And I think he's probably maybe the one option that I tend to forget myself, but maybe he's too busy covering at, covering at left-back every so often. So we we will see. I mean, the, the, the one thing to remember as well is that Ben Gibson is only at, on loan at Norwich for this season. Um, the permanent move hasn't been secured yet. Um, as I wrote in the piece, it will be secured um, if Norwich go up, regardless of his injury situation, which uh, did get me thinking because had, you know, horrendous, horrific, don't think about it, but had Ben Gibson had a serious injury within a couple of weeks of, you know, his loan move, um, yet Norwich still gone up, they, I, I think they'd effectively still committed to buying him in that scenario. Now, whether Norwich then would have gone up if he'd have got seriously injured is where I just go a bit, you know, round in circles and it doesn't do anyone any good. But the, the key thing is if Norwich finished the job off from here, Ben Gibson will still be a Norwich player next season, which I think is, um, is great because uh, I'm pretty sure he loves it here. And I think we're all agreed that we see him as a really um, important part of what has happened this season. So that's, that's really good. Um, it is a big moment for Christoph Zimmerman, isn't it, Dan? Because, um, I mean, he did have a lot of injury issues last year and I don't think he played in much of the Project Restart. I haven't double-checked, but I think he, he picked up another injury. And, and and again, it's, I think, a bit, as John said, he, he's probably got a, a little bit to prove. But but then I don't feel particularly doubtful of him coming in because I think when he is playing in his rhythm, which, again, we didn't really see a lot of last season even, um, he's been fine. He had one sort of run in the team and once he got a few games under his belt, it was fine, really. Yeah, I. it's an odd one with Zimmerman. I, and this is based on absolutely nothing. I almost think he's got too big. Because uh, in 18-19, he was making the same mistakes he sort of made in the Premier League and he's made this season when he's come in, which he gets turned quite easily. But 18-19, he had that sort of slight recovery pace, which he doesn't seem to have. And whether that's the build-up of injuries, whether that's just not getting a run of games, is contributing to it. Um I don't think he's got worse as a player. I think he's just got a little bit slower. Um, and I'm not convinced he's a third-choice centre-back anymore in the Championship. And I certainly don't think he's a third-choice centre-back in the Premier League as well. So I'd, I'd be gobsmacked if Norwich, if Stuart Webber isn't looking for replacements and maybe already has some replacements lined up. I don't know. But what I would say is, though, the old cliche of him being excellent around the dressing room um, is, is true, obviously. All players... So he is, uh, you only have to look at his on-pitch behaviour to know that. He's a great communicator on the pitch as well. But I'm not quite, I'm not quite sure his sort of year in the sun, 18, 19, was made perhaps a bit of an outlier, unfortunately. Oh, Dan, scathing. Um, in, in fairness, um, 
I, I don't think the club are quite confident enough to enough at the moment to push properly ahead with their recruitment for next season in the Premier League. But obviously, the closer they get, the, the easier it becomes to sell it to people. I think I think there's a general perception out in the football world that Norwich are up, which probably does them a bit of a favour as well. With the bookies at the moment, if you want to bet on Norwich not going up, it, well, on going up, we're it's, gone up it's gone up 50. Which means if you put 250 for Danny, 251 back. So our chance of going up is extremely, extremely, extremely high. And to start discussions now for people in this international break is a pretty safe thing to do. We've got to have a total catastrophe. We've got to have the last eight games of not I mean, winning, and that's don't, never happened before. Don't get... <laughs> We've got to have last season again. Well, I, I, I popped in on the Talk Norwich City watch along at the weekend, um, which was fun. And the boys asked me, you know, what are you, are you, you know, what, what are you worried if it doesn't happen? And I said, look, I just don't want to write that story if it was not to happen. So I'm pretty sure we'll be all right. Um, and don't get me wrong, I just to reiterate, I mean, Norwich are obviously talking to lots of people about signing for next year it's not like they're not having the conversations um you know they'll, they'll just wait until they can physically sign them um, um i'm sure until it's all done which will hopefully not be too long um but we'll see anyway first and foremost ben gibson um hope you get better soon and they patch up your ankle and we see you out there uh, as soon as possible because you will be missed um i have no doubt we will see him uh, on crutches wandering around as norwich celebrate promotion <laughs> which will be just as exciting i'm sure This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Now, let's uh, move on to things we are not going to talk about. Regular listeners, hello there, uh, will know that these are the things that have happened and deserve acknowledgement, but but we're only going to acknowledge them by stating how we are not going to talk about them. Uh, Makes sense? Good. Uh, Also, we have only three minutes to do it. So, producer Ollie, if you are ready, can you please start the dramatic music? There it is. So this week, I am not going to talk about Kieran Dow, which is probably slightly harsh because he probably does deserve some talking about. But, um, you know, I'm kind of waiting for him to really grab games. But then from people I speak to at Everton and elsewhere, I don't know if he really is someone who grabs games. But I guess in that case, if he's not grabbing games, then he needs to be scoring goals and creating goals. And he's done that in both of his two appearances. So therefore, he deserves credit. I wrote a piece on Kieran Dow after the Forest game, which Norwich won 2-0. Should have been about eight. You can uh, read that over at The Athletic. But, you know, I'm not going to talk about him. Uh, Dan, anything you don't want to talk about? Well, I was going to say I don't want to talk about Robbie Savage because I felt it did not reflect well on on us uh, as well as him, actually, the way we've kind of clambered on top of it. It felt a little bit uh, tin pop. But then I read that he said that he wouldn't open the curtains if Norwich and 
Brighton were playing in his back garden and nothing annoys me more than pretty well-paid pundits and I call this the Mark Lawrenson effect sounding like they're not interested in football that they're paid to talk about and to commentate on that really irritates me so uh, I'd rather he was banished from any sort of Norwich City conversation from now on. Well, to be fair, I've been uh, I've been leaving Connor Southwell to deal with with Robbie Savage. So good yeah, on Connor. Southwell's excellent. Wasn't he did, he? Good, he did a good. He did a great job on Radio Five Live. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know lots of people who wouldn't open their curtains to an evening with Robbie Savage at Carrow Road as well. So I think we're all all right. Um, John, anything you don't want to talk about? I don't want to talk about Lucas Rook being the best option. We have got a number ten at the moment, but it, but. You can't really talk about the fact that he allows uh, McLean and Skip to feel that's something a bit more solid in front of them and Wendy and Campbell actually giving a bit of room to play and slightly less defensive responsibility and even bringing people like Dow into the picture. I think that that workman-like number 10 behind Pukki, which Steeperman also has done before, Yeah. You could say that it suits us quite well and we need someone to do that. But well, it, we it kind of makes that. you wonder, it sort of backs up the point that it didn't really work when Andre Judo played there because he wasn't really a workman like number two. He, did, he ran around a lot, but not in the same way. Um, uh, Lucas was superb at Forest, by the way, as were Norwich. Uh, Blackburn, I don't want to talk about the fact they deserved a point, but, you know, they, they did. They deserved a point, I thought. I know no, that Norwich had the best chances, but they didn't take them. Or... I, I thought their goalkeeper was the best guy on the pitch. He was very good. Kaminsky, Thomas. So I want to call him Thomas. Um, yeah. I'm not going to talk about winning records. Uh, Norwich fell a, a win short of the 1986 10 successive league victories record. Records are difficult. <laughs> so <They're laughs> there you go. For a reason, aren't they? So. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> uh, Elliot Bennett and Bradley Johnson back at Carrow Road. That was lovely. Um, they're lovely boys. Um, Chris Sutton wore a half and half Norwich Blackburn shirt, which I, I hope he really did put together himself. But I just don't see it. <laughs> just don't see it. Um, uh, anything else? Swans and uh, Brentford bottling it. I mean, yeah. there's no need to talk about them bottling, is it? When I just enjoy Norwich romping to the title instead. Good old black. Good, yeah. Ahead of two very good, well, three very good sides. I did call it a few weeks ago. I thought yeah. Watford would be the ones who were in the best position, and such it has proven. John, um, I'd like to see Barnsley do it, if I'm honest, from the playoffs, from where we are now, as long as it's not us down there, but I don't think it will That's be. Right, they can, we can give them the um, win. But yeah, I think... Last day of the season, we'll give them a win, it'll be fine. <laughs> I think it's quite interesting that we got caught by Brentford and it was like a marathon then, they caught us. And then we've sprinted away and Brentford have kind of dropped back. And it's interesting how that could can work either way. I think that's what's really proved to me that we're that, that, that little nudge above where we've been before. When we were pressurised, we responded... And um, Swansea have kind of been winning games 1-0 by really late goals and weird penalties and stuff. And eventually their luck disappeared. I mean, I wasn't, like I wasn't so worried when they kept winning with funny or equalising with funny penalties because you're like, well, that's not going to keep happening. And they weren't playing that well particularly. So Just to add to that, if we've got time, uh, in 18, remember in 1819 when Buendia was sent off after that sort of masterclass against QPR when we won 4-0? Yes. And we all thought we were up and then suddenly we started drawing every game. Yeah. And we were sort of relying on Leeds and Sheffield United struggling as well. But this season, we had that moment where we could have struggled, but instead we've pulled away from Brentford instead. And I think that's, as John was saying, that's the difference between this team and the 18-19 team as well. That's fine as long as they don't just start drawing loads of games now, Dan. And if they do, I will be revisiting that comment <laughs> with you. Eight draws will get us up. Yeah. This is, yeah. So Let's draw our way to the Premier League. Like <laughs> What shows better resilience than just drawing? You're not, you could win, but you're choosing not to. That's what I like. 
Um, the music's long yeah, run exactly. out, but um, I love that section. I did want to just throw in, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, it's a couple of things we didn't have time for. Um, Norwich lost in the FA Youth Cup to West Ham this afternoon, 5-0. I was at the game. Um, they were they were slaughtered, really, to be honest, and West Ham yeah. were very good. Uh, the kids will learn from it, I'm sure. Uh, congratulations, Emmy Buendia, who, of course, missed Nottingham Forest for becoming a dad for the second time. Um, welcome to the world, Giovanni. Yeah. And um, the other thing I was going to mention is, you know what? I know I've given Keith Stroud a lot of stick for what was a pretty awful um, effort against Middlesbrough. Um, I, I now really like him. He was the referee against Blackburn on Saturday. He, he was the same. He wasn't any better. He was just wandering around. But you know what? He was really enjoying himself. And there was a bit when he left the ground and he he, he looked up and he, um, he, uh, he tried to get Tim Krull's attention gave him a little thumbs up just so he could say, you know, goodbye. Well, and then there was another player on there. I can't remember who it was. He was like, you know, Dave, Dave, whoever it was. And he waited for him, gave him a little thumbs up. And I just thought, you know what? It's not your fault that you're doing this and <laughs> that you're being allowed to do this. You know, you, you're enjoying it. This is something you, you're doing. You're turning up, you're doing it. You're doing it to the best of your abilities. You go. So, you know what? He a prize, Michael. <laughs> like, well, you know, no, well he yeah, hasn't he? Hasn't he, Dan? Are you sure? <laughs> As I think he's won. He's winning at life by just refereeing professional football matches and loving it. So, you know what, Keith? Good on you. Keep it up and I'll try and give you less stick. I'd like to make a point about refs, actually. I thought the guy who ref our Forest match was superb. He was really, really good. He was called Tony... Tony Harrington, wasn't it? Harrington. He was... That match was beautiful. It flowed. He let the play flow. He, he gave advantage and called Forrest it back. Let, he did a really Forrest fantastic let the play job. flow in the first half as well, <laughs> as well. But then this is the thing you see with every referee. So it used to be the point where if I knew the referee's name, I'd be like, oh, yeah. but, um, but now there's lots of games where I, you, I know a referee, I know Tony Harrington has had some pretty awful games this season. And then that one was really good. So, you know, they're just, mm-hmm. they're just are what they are. And this is the new me. I don't, good for you, referees, <laughs> for, for making football happen. Is this the and new you? Making, not talking about referees. They, they make football happen. And that's the last thing I'm going to say about it. Um, just on, uh, just on uh, a notice on uh, Christoph Zimmerman, it'll be a shame not to see him in the stands anymore because at Forest, I think it was, he stood up and he absolutely belted something at the referee for not giving a booking. And also o- Oyen Nyland, oh, sorry, Oyen Nyland, um, uh, he, he loves standing up and shouting like he's a fan in the, in the stands as well. He's all over it. So I think, you know, as far as second choice goalkeepers, as he is at the moment, go, fair play to him for basically being a supporter. <laughs> so he deserves a lot of credit. Um, for what we were not going to talk about, we've talked about a lot there. So I tell you what, let's move on to centrefold. So this is the international break. Um, there is no football this coming weekend of, of note. <laughs> There's some other football going on, but we'll just hope everyone's fit and then hopefully they come back. But this is a slight issue, of course, with Norwich coming back. And Daniel Farker, I think I've heard him give this speech four times now in terms of Norwich playing on Good Friday. He can't believe the decision. He can't believe that the EFL sanctioned it. When he first heard it was um, not being moved and was still going to be on Good Friday, he thought it was a mistake. He feels that it's against the players' well-being and against well, you know the speech because it's literally been out three or four times. Um, ultimately, Norwich have got um, their best players essentially away on international duty. That's ten- usually how it works. And um, a lot of them are playing on Wednesday night. And 44, 40, 46, depends obviously, hours after they finish their last international action potentially, um, Norwich will be kicking off at Deepdale 
against Preston. Not Alec Neal's Preston, he's been sacked, but um, Preston all the same. Um, and I'm sure last week's pod, Dan, I said how ridiculous it is that the EFL couldn't figure out that maybe a fixture round on a Friday after an international break wasn't the most stupid idea. Uh, I, I still don't really get my head around that. But um, what are your feelings going into this? We've got a lot of very good players going to play football with, for someone else before they come back. And I mean, we can be all confident about how things are at the moment, but I don't know, <laughs> two or three don't come back and you, you start sweating, especially with the turnaround. If we were playing twice in 48 hours... Uh, or 72 hours, we'd be worried and kicking up a fuss. But the fact that you've got travel from all corners of Europe involved in well as well, then yeah, I think Clark is right when he says it's the league can talk all they want about sort of well-being issues and looking after players, but demonstrably, it's that's not happening in this case. I don't think Preston are to blame. I think they're playing Monday, aren't they? So they wouldn't want it to move to Saturday because it's exactly. unfair on them. Yeah. And, you know, it's our choice to buy players who are internationals as well. But I think absolutely yeah. when it comes to well. Well, I mean, it is, isn't it? I mean, we can afford it, so we do it. So, you know, you make it. Um, that's kind of like the perks, isn't it, in some ways, of being a successful side, is you end up like with it. good players who are then taken away in international duty. But it's absolutely right that the league should be looking, especially in uh, a shortened season as well, should be looking after players better and looking for ways to fit, in, uh, fit that into the schedule a lot better as well. I mean, thank goodness, John, it's not a global pandemic or something going on at the same time. <laughs> Well, I was actually just thinking that actually some of these guys, they've become international since they've been with us. So like O'Neill's going to have his first yep. cap for Cuba, right? Guatemala. And, um, Tim, Tim Krull's been recalled to the Netherlands. And, yeah. um, you know, Hanley's, Hanley's wasn't always playing with Scotland and now he's like penciled in every match. So I think we've actually boosting some of the guys' international careers. And now that's coming <laughs> back to kick us in the teeth. <laughs> um but um, I mean, you knew this is injury, probably timing wise mm. for us is pretty good. If he had to have a, an injury that's probably going to recover from in a couple of weeks. Well, the problem with that is, John, um, so, is that he has still travelled to Greece. So uh, he's still gone there. We didn't mention oh, this. Still of course, gone, um, uh, um, Demetrius came off uh, in the first half after a, after a challenge, an aerial challenge, which is quite a harsh one. I thought although the Blackburn commentator behind me was convinced it was barely a free kick. Um, <laughs> but he just sort of jumped into <laughs> Dimi. Um, so, yeah, he came off in the first half with concussion after he went down a bit later and didn't feel very well. And to be honest, from everyone I spoke to sort of Saturday night, Sunday morning, it's like, well, he's not going, obviously, because why would he go to Greece? He's got concussion. Um, and, you know, it'll be in our interest as well. Uh, and But then he had some tests. Apparently he was fine. I would imagine Greece were like, no, no, literally we need him. Um, and away he's gone. Now, he might not play in their first game, which I think is on Thursday. Okay. I can't remember who it is. Um, but then that might be the Norwich angle. And once he's in Greece, he might well be starting and off you go, son. Um, and he is one of the ones who plays this, who plays on the Wednesday night. So, I mean, it doesn't strike me that you may well see Jakob Sorensen, who hasn't gone away with Denmark under-21s playing left-back there. But um, So, yeah, not such good news, sadly. But um, We know if, if Grant Hanley and um, Kenny McLean are at home or away on their last international because they're going to be nearer to Preston than from Norwich I like that idea Um, let me find out while Dan says something interesting oh wow pressure Um, one other thing to say on that is earlier in the season was it October November when we had so many injuries and there was a we went through a spell of well certainly there was one game where we had only one player on the bench who had played a first team league game for us before that's when we were all saying if we end up you know 
on the coattails of sixth place after these injury scares, then we'd have done well. And what we actually did was end up top of the table. So we've shown that when there's a bit of adversity, maybe we've not got our first team stars playing, we can still grind, grind out results because they're so well coached. The system is so well coached. Everyone within that squad knows how to play within it. So yeah. uh, uh, it may well, it is a well-being issue, but I don't think necessarily it uh, means that we're on the back foot against Preston. I'd say we're probably still, we'd still be looking for three points there. You know what? If, if Norwich's squad, squad deliver as well as you just did then, Dan, we will all be fine. Brilliant. And you did put pressure on me. <laughs> you delivered. You, you thrived <laughs> under the pressure. Um, by the way, Scotland are at home to the Faroe Islands. So to be honest, they could just play with nine. You'd be right. Give them a rest. You'd be fine. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it will be interesting how the practicalities work out. It does also sound like, although Timu Puki will still be away with Finland, I can't remember where he's going to be now. I think it's Ukraine <laughs> on the Wednesday night. Uh, he probably, probably won't play. I think it's unlikely he would start. Certainly it's a friend. Oh, no, sorry. No, they're playing Switzerland. That's right. Thanks, Dan. You're nodding. They're playing Swin uh, Switzerland and it's a friendly. So that's why on that Wednesday. He's in the Ukraine before, I think, for the second qualifier. Um, but you'd like to think that Tamu won't play or certainly won't play a lot in Switzerland for the friendly on the Wednesday night. So there are little things like that. Um, You've got Hugo against his old club in that case to step in, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. Which you'd think is probably a, an option to start. And you know, you can't question Norwich's um, strength and depth in, in a lot of ways. Um, obviously, Max Ahrens and Ollie Skip are both away with England under 21s. Um, I'm hoping this is going to come out by the time of the publication. I'm going to trust you, Dan and John, not to tell anyone of this, but uh, Todd Cantwell, I believe, has been called up from the standby list and is also going to be with the England Under-21 squad for their group game. So bear in mind that they're playing Fantastic. they're playing their group games of the Euros. This isn't just qualifiers. This is like the main part of the tournament. And then the uh, knockout stages will be later in the year, I think. So good on them and good luck to them all. Nice to speak to Ollie Skip this evening, actually. It was a pleasure. I'm Ben Godfrey. Um, yeah, Tim Krul's away. Um, Shemesław Pajeta is away with ooh, Poland under-21s or Poland first team? Not sure. I think it's a 21 First team, I think, isn't it? It's the first team. Wherever he is, he'll be, he'll be great, I'm sure. Um, and then, as you say, Yanulis, uh, uh, Hanley, Grant Hanley and Kenny McLean. Also, Danel Sinani's away with Luxembourg. Sebastian Soto's with the uh, USA 23s at the moment. Dan Barden um, is with, oh, now... Wales under 21s um, and Andrew Omabamadeli and Sam Blair, who's um, just played for the um, under 18s in the Youth Cup, is um, away with Ireland under 21s. And I think that is everyone. Um, it will be Preston, John, without Alec Neal. Yes. I mean, that I, I personally, I think Frankie, Frankie McAvoy is going to be in charge, which, which will be exciting because um, he's in charge for the rest of the season. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I. I don't know. It seems like a strange decision. What are Preston going to do without Alec Neal? I don't really know. I mean, Preston are, are a team who kind of underachieved, really, in, on the global scheme of things for a long time, you know, they've, they've, for the size of the club. In fact, I, I read a study on all the, the clubs in the country at some point this year, and they're one of the teams that's achieved the least from their historical standing in, in recent times. So I think that maybe for them... Um, Every new manager is a hope that they can just re rediscover a little bit of old power and, you know, go up maybe a little bit, achieve a little bit more. I think Alec Neal did a pretty good job with Preston, I've got to say. I think they've, they've been always been challenging their, their abouts in the playoffs since he's been around. Um, 
and uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does next. And I think there's he's had some interest in him from other clubs. I think Stoke had some interest in him recently and some other people. So obviously the, a couple of jobs have gone recently, but I think he'll be back. And I quite like him. I think he's quite a likeable bloke. I hope he comes back very soon. Think- I mean, he did, he had all of his best players sort of continually sold from under him, and I know that's kind of how Preston have had to deal with things. But it's it's a very difficult one to sustain, especially when you then lose your head of recruitment, which he did because I think Joe Savage went up to Hearts and things like that. Um, so it's a tricky one for him. Um, I did see him linked with the Celtic job, but I don't know if that was just Twitter jabbering, which is highly likely. But um, yeah, I'm sort of thinking. I'm thinking. You know what? I'd love him to get that job because that'd be a really interesting one for him. Although I don't know if I'd want to come up against Stephen Gerrard at the moment, but there we go. Um, we, we'll just see. But obviously, wish Alec Neal all the best. Um, I did say once he was sacked, maybe Norwich should put in another phone call to Preston and see if they would then move the game <laughs> back. I don't know if it was specifically Alex saying no chance, but there we go. Um, we will see. Uh, it's going to be a great good Friday, and we've got you know plenty of time to to fill in before before we get there. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is almost fantasy football. Right, I think I feel like um, having you on the pod, John, means that we should absolutely talk about sensible world of soccer and sensible soccer and you know in my opinion the greatest football game ever created um if you haven't read my piece with john talking about norwich but also talking about um swas and all sorts um then read it it's on the athletic it's uh, it was a lovely piece to put together it reminded me of all the hours i wasted before going to football in my teenage years um it basically replaced snooker and when I realized how bad I was at snooker and it was just, you know, it was in an era where you couldn't play computer games online. So you had to go around someone's house and just sit there playing it. And just the remarkable thing is all the details in, in SWAS are, are just phenomenal to the point where um, I remember John, you telling me that you always wanted to put in the physio running onto the pitch if someone got injured. And I, when you said that, I just assumed that there was one because I was sure I remembered it happening. <laughs> 
<laughs> the, the man with the magic sponge, you know, who made it in. He, he was he was seriously, he was penciled to a pin. Uh, there must have been about six versions of Sensible Soccer and Swass, and every time he was written in the design, and every time he never made it, he like never made his debut. See, I just did, uh, I just filled the gaps with my brain, which is probably what a lot of people did with Swass. Um, I mean, uh, I, I know you said you 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 played it a few times and then maybe gave up when when you got hammered in a uh, in a tournament um, in, in Berlin. But I mean, people are still playing Swass online now i think they just sort of they've got their own emulators and things and they play each other i mean you must be so proud of it as a game it's, it's amazing i mean we, we we launched the game in 1992 and people are still playing it now like i said there'll be a world cup this year and probably next year and that, that'll be 30 years after release um yeah i went to world cup about six years ago now in berlin and got battered every game i lost 14 and i'm, I'm highly competitive these guys were really good you gotta understand I don't continually play my old games like they do. <laughs> I used to be half decent, but I'm not anymore. But we're making a new football game, Sociable Soccer. So I'm always I'm always focusing on the next thing. But yeah, I, I got soundly beaten in Germany. But I, I loved watching like guys there in their Croatian national football shirts as the Croatia team to play our game in a World Cup. That was a really special feeling, you know, these different countries italians and polish and everyone all there just a know. couple of points maybe because people may not know swas very well but the points to make are probably it was the first game that had you know what twenty-seven thousand players accurate players with names and skill sets properly scouted so you're talking about that level of detail what 20 30 years ago um which you know football manager does now but this is ages ago on completely different formats and um, also it's so individualized players as well you could manage them you could buy and you could sell and then that was all added on top of a the gameplay which was like nothing else before it really in terms of the ease of playing playing it so it just had everything and just lit just so many little details the crowd noise and stuff like that it was it's just a fantastic what you see in terms of football games now only happens because of, of Swass coming along. So that's my that's my feeling for it. It was amazing. We, 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 were, we were the first um, team to even have uh, games to even have like black players in. So in the old days, and when you're making a computer game, you're going to make the graphics and they just made one guy and everyone looked the same, like this guy with white, white face and dark hair and everyone always looked the same. So we were the first game to put in people with blonde hair, with darker skin. We put the shirt numbers above people's heads. And, and it basically, it just filled in those gaps that football fans needed. So John Barnes was now this guy who looked a bit like a miniaturised John Barnes with the number seven above his head and a little red shirt. There was Liverpool, you know, and you actually knew it was John Barnes, as opposed to a guy who looked nothing like John Barnes at all, running around uh, without any number. So it was just those means of identifying people. And then as fans, like you say, we literally do fill in the gaps. I mean, it wasn't John Barnes, it was like, I don't know how many pixels, like about 300 randomly coloured pixels. <laughs> but in your head, that, that's how it works. You know, he was and, real. You know. So what we're saying is one of the top tool, top 10, one of the top 10 games of all time, the only foot, the only sport one, I think this is according to Stanford University's canon of, of computer games. So that, this is how important Swass is. So, and it was created by John here, who's a Norwich fan. So the first people running around on the makeshift game were in Norwich kits. And yes, of course, of course the Norwich numbers were massaged up. I mean, John didn't specifically tell me that in the piece, but then sort of let on that that was probably what happened with, with maybe the odd team from whoever was developing the game and had a sauce 
spot for someone. So yeah. So you know what? Norwich and Swas, awesome, which is fantastic. And now I was having a conversation with you, Dan, just before or, or on, on the WhatsApp. Um, and uh, I think you didn't play Swas so much. That's fine. We'll forgive you. Um, but, you know, it was more Italia 90, which yours was, I, my, I remember playing Italia 90 on the Commodore 64. And I actually don't think I ever scored a goal on it. How often did you play? I, I, well, no, because it used to it used to get into the penalty area and it would go to this weird sort of in front of the goal view. And I was like, I can't score from here. And I'd curl it like there, there, or everywhere. And it's like, and so that was my experience of Italia 90, whereas the World Cup was amazing. And I feel like at this point, I should say that Ollie Skip, the first England tournament he remembers was in 2006. Just to make us all, just to make us all oh, feel oh my old. God. So there you go. So yeah, Italia 90, Dan, carry on. <laughs> um I don't have much more to say on that. That's the first, well, since, so I started with Sabutio, then went on to a bit of table football, and then the first sort of computer game football and I had was on the Master System Italia 90, which I was obsessed with. And I think outside of Alec the Kid, because obviously everyone plays Alec the Kid if they had a Master System, uh, that was the only one I really played. Um, but that's probably the only one I've Gosh. ever played, actually. I've never really got completely sort of geeked out by it, that. unfortunately. Which is probably good. I've got an addictive personality. So if I'd come across sensible soccer, I would have been yeah. like you, Michael, sort of yeah, yeah. down no, a rabbit I, hole in no time. Sounds like you both missed our earlier offering, which was microprose soccer in 1988. Yes. So that was even before sensible I, soccer. I wonder yeah. how many people still play on master systems. I, I mean, I like a mega drive is pushing it, but a master system, that's like a new level, isn't it? That is. Um, you did touch on it, John, who's got his head in his hands at the moment at the mention of Master System. <laughs> I'm just thinking about my first my first internationals tournament I remember was the World Cup in 1974 in Germany. The opening game was East well, Germany I mean, that's versus amazing. West Germany. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> Me and you would have been the same, Michael, at 1990. Yeah, I can't York. remember. I can't remember. Was it Mexico 86? I can't really obviously i've seen yes. loads of it since but i can't remember it watching it as it was happening i was still a bit too young i remember crying when england lost some penalties to germany yeah clearly. My, oh my gosh my but also also screaming at david platt's injury time winner against belgium which was the most amazing thing i'd ever seen oh i don't remember that i remember remember beating That's cameroon amazing. i don't remember the what belgian game and, live. that cameroon match dad that cameroon match actually this is a little bit of micropro soccer uh, soccer history so we put we got micro soccer to predict who would win the world cup and it said cameroon that year so we put 100 quid on it at 250 to one based purely not game and i can tell you in the england cameroon match i was not supporting <laughs> england we had, <laughs> we had 25 grand on the line oh. which we lost we were gutted Lineker got two penalties. You're wrong. So to sad, be honest yeah. with some of those decisions. Lineker always says that they were really dominated. good. That was that was probably that was as tough as any <laughs> game they played. To be honest. Oh, what well, I remember is Scotland as well because Norwich had uh, Robert Fleck and Brian Gunn in the Scotland squad, and the, uh, the whoever were doing the mm. really fancy graphics with the sort of dotted lines down the side and the flags. Mm. Um, they they never once spelt Robert Fleck right, if I remember rightly. It was it was Robert. F it was Robert Flack, I think, and they had his name wrong. Amazing memory. <laughs> Norwich City legend. Um, I remember being excited by Chris Woods Chris as well. He wasn't even at Norwich before. Yeah, that's right. Chris Woods. Well, he probably should have been playing the way Peter Shilton um, backpilled for the <laughs> Germany goal. Anyway, gosh, um, I hope everyone's enjoying this. He remembers Italian 90. <laughs> um, uh, bringing it just forward then, John, 
don't know. I'm I'm quite excited about this. Yes. So the piece on sensible work, world of soccer also leads into the fact that you are currently trying to, or you've currently got out there a reworked version of the game called Sociable Soccer. Now, just to really bridge this quickly, um, you can, if you're playing on this game, um, join a clan of your favourite team, and therefore all the supporters of that team play representing your team um, as a clan so there is a Norwich City clan on sociable soccer now John obviously being like the creator of sociable soccer is the captain you know never been beaten by anyone pretty much um, and 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 I have since we did the first piece have sort of been oh like I'm enjoying this game and now I, I'm was until someone else joined a um, vice captain of the Norwich clan and I'm really I, I honestly think if anyone's out there who wants to see what Swast was like or loves Swast wants to play a new version of it you can go out and play sociable soccer you could and you're listening to the on the ball podcast so you're going to be a norwich fan join the norwich clan and you'll be able to see me and john in the norwich clan you can join us and we can all play for norwich and we'll become the best team in the world that's my plan that's all i've got the thing is unfortunately i was the captain you were the vice captain (laughs) yesterday but this morning in the early hours of the morning a guy called ajk has usurped both of us gone to captain knocked me down to vice you're now down to third captain so this is good news for me because people are loving our game and playing it. And bad news because I'm not the captain of Norwich anymore. So we need to fight harder but for our position. I'm convinced AJK is a Norwich. He probably listens to the pod. He or she is listening to the Norwich pod and, gone yep. and heard it from a few weeks ago and gone, you know, I'm going to have a go at that. And now, so almost certainly, it's a bit the same way that Philip Pullman retweeted um, an NCFC numbers tweet for Steve the other day. So clearly he listens to the podcast. <laughs> Philip Pullman clearly, and, and we had it with Alexander Armstrong as well. I'm sure he listens to the podcast, proclaiming them all. So, um, so basically out there, if, get in touch with me on Twitter if you're going to or you become a part of Sociable Soccer. We'll have the best Norwich clan the best clan of all the teams. We're already probably, they've already massaged the players' yep. figures, probably. Don't know about that. Well, lo- last week we were in this group of deaths. So we, all the clans are drawn into a group every week of eight teams, like from a, from a pool of a thousand teams. We had Chelsea, Arsenal, Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Atletico in our group, and Norwich and a couple of others. And we, we finished uh, hey, fifth in the group. In real life, Norwich wouldn't be yeah. finishing fifth. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> as good as Daniel Farker is. Um, so um, it's it's a great game. I feel like I've spoken quite a lot about it, but uh, you know, I, join us because me and John play there, and um, that would be that would be fun. And we can keep we can keep track of Norwich's progress. You see, the clan. Uh, that's what I want to do. I want it to be the on the ball Norwich plan at uh, clan. So um, we'll bring the two together. But um, so yeah, that's exciting. I think the game is currently available on Apple Arcade. Apple Arcade only at the moment. By the end of the year, we should be out on like PC and PlayStation and Xbox and Switch. If all goes well. According to plan, we have talking plans about how to bring it out. A little bit of a bit of um, movement forward on that actually today. Okay, far too early to talk very, very much detail. So, and, yes, and if anyone's well. in the clan on whatever platform, they're still in the same clan, aren't they? Oh yes, yes, of course. Oh, I mean, so well, well, it depends. I mean, hopefully, yes. The 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 platform-wise, you can play any platform versus any platform, providing the platform okay. holders allow us to do it. Okay. So we've not got to that point we'll in the conversation. That. Yeah, but yeah. We can play exactly everything. When, yeah, Norwich clan, Norwich clan. So yes. do it. Come and see me and John um, beat <laughs> us um, and also represent Norwich and we'll take them to the very top of social soccer, which will be very exciting. Um, well, that was a good segment. Good luck with it, John. Hope it goes really well. Um, I think though, for the main pod, we're done for On The Ball this week. If you're yet to 
make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on your usual player and dad free to subscribers of The Athletic via our app. Leave a review or rating if you get the chance. And if you want to get in touch um, to ask us any questions or any topics that you wish to propose, sling me a direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey. In the meantime, a big thank you to our guests tonight. They were Daniel Brigham. <laughs> Good evening, Dan. Good evening. Thanks very much, Michael Bailey. Top man. Uh, John, a pleasure to have you on. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, will you do it again, do you reckon? Come on again? Yeah, I'd love to do it, Michael. Brilliant, Super. yeah. Anytime oh, you want. Oh, that's what I like to hear. Superb stuff. We'll see you on Sociable. Um, we'll be back next week for another On The Ball in Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. Until then, never mind the danger. Dan and John, welcome to Wits End. Yeah. Are you happy? How are you? Oh, Dan, are you right? Uh, it's fine. I was gonna, I was gonna mention something before we cracked on, but um, oh, is it something for off off tape? Well, I was just gonna mention. I've just suddenly thought of a question for both of you. Oh no, you, let's do it now. Let's do it now. We can we can move into it though. Like, no, no, you've got your, no, all, all I will say. To, if uh, anyone here, hello everyone, good evening, John, honorary Twitter, uh, Witsender. Now you're in, so um, welcome. Um, if any of you out there have stumbled across this and wondering what on earth's going on, listen to On the Ball podcast 42 that went live on September the 8th. Uh, it's all explained there. You can email this part of the pod directly with an email to twitterkers at icloud.com or use the hashtag twitterkers, which is Twitter K E R S on iCloud. Just on iCloud on Twitter uh, just don't say um, or explain what it refers to although that is quite difficult because Alex Ware um, wrote um, a tweet that simply said 4-2 versus QPR um, and then Twitterkers as a hashtag and I was like okay well, I can't remember what that's for so either that's because it's um, the last time Alex Ware cried or it was his first goal um, could be either I'm probably going to guess four goal uh, both. both yeah maybe. yeah could have been both true so there we go um yeah, get your question, get your questions and uh, hashtag tweets and emails in. Dan, you had a question. I had a question that I thought of, and I've just been scurrying around on Wikipedia. Was it like a Sorry. quiz question? Um, who knows if I've got the answer right to this, but <laughs> talking about Alex Neil being sacked made me think on the back of Paul Lambert being sacked, how many former Norwich City managers are currently employed as Ooh. a manager of another club? So obviously there's Christian I had that one. at Forest who he just played. And uh, there's one more, I think, one he's more employed. who is still employed by another club and is a manager. Can you think of who that oh, man wow. is? Oh, wow. Okay. There could be a long silence here. So we're talking about a Norwich manager who's now managing. Hang on, it's not... Yeah. Uh, it's... Well, if we go back, you've got Alan Irvine. Then you've got um, Alec Neal. Obviously, not Hewton. Lambert. Well, he's not no, Rhoda for certain. Some... No. It's and then you've got Rioch and Hamilton. And uh, oh my, my my brain. Uh, Peter Grant. Peter In Grant, Scotland, maybe or Brian Garner. One. There we go, Peter Grant. Yeah. Well, I thought you'd missed out. Actually, he is manager of semi-professional championship side oh, okay. at Lower Athletic. Well, there we go. Oh, and, and, 
that's got to be well, that's, that's quite rare, right? Isn't I, it for a football club's former manager? To only I reckon have if you'd um, asked the question a couple of years ago, you'd probably be Peter Grant would be the one you, the only one who you'd think wouldn't still, <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't still be a manager. So yeah, it's kind of interesting how that's flipped. Let's hope for Brian Gunn now. Good old Gunny. I think he's, he's having too much fun not being a manager, <laughs> to be honest. Horrible job. This led me to another question, which might be for our listeners, if, if you don't mind Please. me asking. I thought of Dave Stringer, and I always found it really odd that a manager who took a relatively small club to, what, two FA Cup semifinals and fourth yeah. in the top tier, yeah. decided and chose to never manage again. And he was still in his 50s when he left us. So how many other managers can our listeners think of that never managed again after a relative amount of success? We're not talking about sort of, bless him, Brian Gunn level of manage, managerial success, but sort of decent um, level of managerial well, success at those. You could argue Paul, Ma- Paul Lambert hasn't really managed it since. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't uh, Yeah, because that, that, would, that must be so rare. I mean, okay. Dave, Dave Stringer is proper legend and i suppose that's partly why he probably didn't manage an- anywhere else because he didn't really want to go anywhere else i guess i don't know i've never spoken to him about it yeah well he's a yeah. boy isn't he so maybe he didn't want to and i don't know maybe maybe you've got a two thousand word piece maybe to write with him about thanks dan that. only two thousand <laughs> um yeah good point <laughs> yeah well uh, let us know uh twitters out there um because we're probably not going to look it up so it'd be a nice conversation to have We'll be on next week. You see, we've got another tweet. I might have a special, might have a special surprise for for all the Twitterkers next week. Maybe I'm excited about. Um, oh, yeah. I can't say anything more. Um, there, there, there is a connection. No, they did help explain to me what Italian fingers meant. Can you remember a couple of weeks ago? They said that all they sent in a tweet was Italian fingers, and I was like, should I even mention this? Because mm. this sounds like I probably shouldn't mention this in public. Um, so yeah, but apparently it was a challenge for my video verdict, which I, I apologize, I completely forgot both at the city ground and Carrow Road on Saturday. And it's the one where it looks like you're being a chef, apparently. And so you're like, hmm, Italian fingers. Um, I, obviously you can't see this because it's a podcast, um, although Dan wasn't even looking. Um, so it's an emoji where it's like you, you, your hand is facing up and it's right. pinched into a fist, but you're Thumb, thumb and forefinger are sort of rubbing together as if you're uh, going, this is a fine meatball that I'm eating. Which is similar, I guess, to the, uh, the sign, universal sign language for playing the world's smallest violin as well. So Yes, that's true. Yes. So two options for me using it in my Preston video verdict then. <laughs> so uh, that's my challenge uh, that I've got to produce um, some either Italian fingers or world's smallest violin. Depends on how the game goes. I can feel a narrative for either of those scenarios, so we should be all right. Um, so that's my challenge. I have a question for you two guys, actually. I'm starting to think about us going up, which is good. It's <laughs> extremely likely. But I'm really, really not looking forward to VAR again. And I'm wondering what you guys feel about that and how do you feel about how you feel about it? What do, what do you think about the prospect of... Going back to VAR. After I'm glad Lorne's not it. on this week. Andrew Lorne of Long Come Norwich because he he would we'd be here for another twenty minutes. He does not like it, and it should be binned. Uh, Dan, uh, speaking as a cricket man who obviously I'm sure loves all technology in cricket. Well, it works in cricket because most decisions are pretty binary uh, in cricket generally, whereas in football decisions are so sort of have so many grey areas, and you're applying a binary. Um, binary kind of umbrella to it of a decision making process that's why it doesn't work and that's why it will never work unless you go down the road of literally no contact being allowed and every contact is a foul 
and that what makes it binary so as long as football is um a contact sport i don't think they are var can work outside of maybe uh, goal line technology which works fine and maybe if the off offside rule is tweaked then maybe it could be uh worked for that but anything regarding fouls and contacts it just simply doesn't work i don't think but my own feelings about my own feelings is it is i'm tired about talking about it i'm tired about listening about it and i just wish it would go away <laughs> it's not gonna go away <laughs> so I, you can't bin it you can't bin it because the reason i went on since 2012 about having to have some sort of video refereeing is because we could watch a replay in the press box 10 seconds before something happened and that would prove if something was ridiculously wrong and you can't have that so that is what var should be sorting out and they were having trials where the video referees were watching everything on and they could review things really quickly 10 seconds the game would progress as if you didn't know it was there and if something needed calling back that was hideously wrong they would do it and i just think it's gone way overboard from all of that we can't sit there for two minutes drawing loads of lines on offsides i think you have to come up with a better concept for judging offsides i think you have to and then the problem is the people i think making the decisions are still making horrible errors with handballs it seems to be a taking on a life of its own and maybe that's because of the scrutiny that's always going to come with it so i think it just needs work it needs open minds and people to work and improve it the issue I have at the moment is that it's all being judged without fans being in the ground. And I know that this, the horrible scenario is when a goal is scored and you're like, what now? That's horrendous. That, that does kill the game. This is a long debate now. Go on, last bit. Could we better wrap this up? <laughs> one each, one each, one each. Dan, you go. go on, Dan. My one final point on this is, which is why I always come back to, unfairness is, should be an integral part of sport, I think, because without unfairness, sport just becomes obvious and it doesn't uh, it doesn't teach you the high and low my point is is a is a is a is a pretty severe one it's about corruption here you go ed i absolutely think var <laughs> referee should not be able to insinuate or suggest anything to the referee it's got to go the other way around it's going to be either appeals from managers or if you want to have it the on-field referee saying rugby, please rugby, tell me like rugby. there's no way you can have the off you know the, the guy at the side deciding whether to talk up or whether to keep his mouth shut you can't have a guy in a box to say, saying it's a penalty or not for team a and then keeping his mouth uh, shut for team b what an exciting season is going to be back in the Premier league <laughs> And and guess what? Guess what, Charlie Bowkett? I'm going to apologise. No chance getting your email in today. Um, but I tell you what, that was loads of fun. I imagine that's probably the last time we'll speak about VAR until August. No, no chance. What an absolute pleasure. I love it. And it's going to rumble on for forevermore. Um, thank goodness you didn't have to put VAR into SWAS. That's what I'm going to say. Not yet. Yeah, yeah, so, not sociable, yet. I haven't not seen yet. Um, Jen's absolute pleasure. I've already <laughs> said goodbye, but I'll say it again. John, thank you so much. We'll do it again. Pleasure. Cheers. Cheers, Dan. Yeah. Superstar. Thanks, Michael. Pleasure. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We always really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed it. Enjoy your international break. You've got a little bit longer to listen to, the, to this one, so that's good. And um, we'll see you We'll see you next week. Have fun. Oh, a great piece on Wes Hulahan, by the way. Go, go and read it. The Athletic. <laughs>